To Off the Cuff, I am Adam Banks coming at you live from the Waterstone Studio here in Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show. I just got back from Cincinnati, hence why I'm playing WKRP in Cincinnati theme song. If you haven't seen that show, check it out. It follows the cast uh, of uh, just a couple of people who work in a radio station called WKRP in Cincinnati. And uh, Cincinnati. It's a great place to go. It's a great place to visit. I've always said that. It's my favorite city in the entire country. And I've been to a lot of big cities, Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta. I've been to a lot. But Cincinnati, it just feels like home to me. And one of the biggest reasons it feels like home is because my sports teams come from Cincinnati. One being the Cincinnati Reds. I got a chance to watch the Cincinnati Reds take on the Los Angeles Dodgers at the Great American Ballpark. I was looking forward to a sweep. I brought my broom. I was ready for the Reds to sweep the Dodgers right out of Cincinnati back to L.A., but it didn't happen. Here we go in. We lead the series. And on the very last game of the series, before they close the series out, the Reds lose 8-1. to one. So the Dodgers killed the Reds in the last game of the series. 8-1. to one. Of course, the Reds still won the series, but... Hey... When you get beat that bad 8-1, to one, there's no excuse for that. Uh, there was no energy in a great American ballpark. This, this was my second game going all year. Uh, and the first game, it was raining, so it's understandable. Yeah, there's no energy when it's raining. Not a lot of people show up, especially in September if your team's not going to make the playoffs. But here it is, September. It's a nice weekday. It, wasn't expecting a lot of people there. But it felt like I was sitting in a church service. And I'm not talking about a charismatic church. I'm talking about just a very slow-paced church service where there's just a a little clapping here or there. I don't know. That's probably a horrible comparison. Let's just say a golf game. I felt like I was at a golf game. When the ball would be hit, people would clap with their fingers, and that was about it. There was no energy there. Reds fans are so disappointed and so disgusted and so frustrated with the way that their team's been playing, nobody's going to the games. And when people do show up to the games, nobody's given enough energy to cheer for their team. And when the Reds lose 8-1, to one, when everybody is wanting to sweep so bad, just something to hang on to for the season, the Reds can't even deliver that. Also, when I was in Cincinnati this week, I got to check out the Cincinnati Bengals take on the Baltimore Ravens. This was my second NFL game in person, so that was fun. It's just always insane to me how much difference there is in college football versus professional football. You just see real football going on out there. I mean, you see teams throwing the ball, running the ball, but doing it well. And then you see teams who are just men. I mean, you're not seeing 18-year-old kids from not Kennedy Central High School out there playing college ball. You see grown men, professional athletes, best in the world, best in the entire world, playing on that field. And you can tell a difference. I do like watching the NFL more than college because the game is faster. You got more of a fast pace. The clock does not stop on the first down like it does in college ball. And 
you don't think that slows down the time? It does. I mean, it really slows down the game. On average, a college football game is four hours. The NFL, on average, I would say three, three and a half. That's a 30-minute difference, almost an hour difference, just in time, just by not stopping the clock on the first down. And, you know, that's, that's the big difference that I see in college and uh, uh, pros, not to mention uh, player versatility or anything like that. But as far as the game rules, I definitely like the pro rules better than the college rules. Now, with basketball, I definitely like college rules better than the NBA rules. And I agree that they should be different. I think there should be difference in the pros and there should be difference in college. So I'm okay with the way that, you know, the the college clock is with the first downs for college football. You have to make a difference somewhere. So I do understand that. But boy, would it be nice if they did just change that clock rule and they did keep the clock going during a first down. It would just be just such a faster paced game. And uh, football, one of the frustrating things about football for me is the pace of the game. It does slow down a lot. There's a lot of stops. And basketball, I love it because it's nonstop action for two hours. I mean, it's up and down, up and down, shot, pass, dribble. It's just nonstop. But in football, you got to run the ball, catch the ball. It's just the concept is... um, it's a little slow, but NFL, it's a little faster and it makes it better. One of the big things that the XFL, Vince McMahon's XFL, plans to do is to make the game a little bit faster. So how are they going to do that? I would say that they could potentially just put the clock up and let it run like they do in soccer. So we'll see how that works. People might enjoy that better. But the Bengals, they did win. It was great to see a Bengals win. They are now 2-0. and I was surprised to see as many fans as I did see at um, uh, in the jungle the other night. There was 59,000, 60,000 people there, and that stadium holds around 65,000, so it was almost a sellout crowd. A lot of people thought that people wouldn't show up because of the Marvin Lewis fiasco. That fans were mad because they kept Marvin, because Marvin hasn't won a playoff game since he's been with the Bengals, and that's been, what, 16 years now? But the crowd last night, it would would fool you. They seem to be all in, but you really have to look at it. When you got passionate NFL fans, it doesn't matter who's coaching the team. They're not going to boycott their team altogether. You might have a few sit at home and say, I'm not watching, I'm not watching him anymore. A lot of people will say that out of frustration, but they're still going to go to the game. It's still... It's still their team. Being there, it was pretty cool being back in the jungle. If you remember, if you go back and listen to, I believe it was an episode around this time last year, I did a podcast from the media box in the jungle at Paul Brown Stadium uh, watching the Cincinnati Bengals. It was it was awesome. And I'm sorry, I wasn't watching the Bengals. I was just broadcasting from their uh, media room. And they allowed me to do a podcast up there. So you can go back into the archives and listen to that episode. But it was really cool just being back and uh, seeing uh, Paul Brown Stadium full on game day. The last game I went to, it was during the day. They they ended up tying the game. I didn't even know you could tie in the NFL and call it a draw. I didn't know that that could even happen until I went there and it did happen. But it was actually nice to go to an NFL game and see a 100% named winner, which was the Cincinnati Bengals. 
The Bengals are rowdy. The Bengals, the Bengals fans, they do know how to get rowdy. They get drunk and hateful when they're doing bad, but man, they get lovey-dovey when they're doing good. They'll be kissing you and hugging you all over. I'm like, get off me. Don't, don't be throwing your sweaty body on me. I'm a huge UK fan. I'm not wanting no sweaty body on me hugging me if, if uh, Tyler Harrell makes a shot. But the energy there at Paul Brown Stadium, it was excellent. Great energy there. The Bengals are going to surprise some people this year. I do think that you're looking at a 10-game season for the Bengals. They could make the playoffs. And Marvin Lewis is due. As funny as that sounds, he is due. What, 16 years without a playoff win? He's due. Marvin might get it this year. I mean, look at Kentucky. They beat Florida this year, 31 years in the making. Now, my thoughts on all of this. Do I think Mark Stoops is the right man for the job? No, I don't. What Mark Stoops is doing in year six, he should have been doing in year three. It's about time that he's winning these games. It's about time that there's momentum back into the program. It's been six years with him being there. He still hasn't won a bowl. He's only been to two. He's He beat Florida. But let me tell you something about that Florida win before fans get really, really excited. Now, I know a lot of people can listen to this, and they're going to be like, oh, Adam, you're just being the Skip Bayless of UK football. You're taking a negative spin on anything. Well, do you want me to tell you what really realistically could happen? Well, here's really realistically what could happen, and so be it if it's negative or not. Don't be surprised if Mark Stoops doesn't win another game besides the Middle Tennessee and the Murray State game going forward for the rest of the season. Okay, so we got Murray State coming up. That's a win. But after that, we have Mississippi State. We have South Carolina. We have, we have to still play uh, Georgia, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Missouri, in Tennessee, those games are all games that we could lose. Now, we could win some of those games. We could beat Vandy. We maybe could beat Tennessee. We maybe could beat Missouri. But, again, those are games that we could lose. And I, I'm saying that when when it comes down to Vegas putting the odds on who's going to win, I don't know if Kentucky's going to be on any of these. I think we will be favored on some games but it's going to be pickums. It's not going to be by a lot. So I wonder what's going to happen with the fan base and how the fan base is going to react if Mark Stoops goes out, beats Murray, starts the season out 3-0, and then he doesn't win another game until Middle Tennessee. How are the fans going to react? I, that's scary to think about. That is scary. And that's so likely to happen with Mark Stoops being the coach. But we'll just have to see. That win against Florida, it wasn't a pretty win. It's not like Kentucky was playing like Alabama out there. They wasn't playing outstanding football. We beat a really, really bad team on Saturday that just so happened to have Florida on the front of their jersey. So that wasn't the typical Florida team. That's the worst Florida has been in the last 20 years. It's a horrible Florida team, and we beat them. I'm not necessarily going to look at that win and say, okay, we could win 10 games this season. That's not going to happen. I just want people to pump the brakes 
just pump the brakes for a second and not go all in on Mark Stoops again just yet. Let him get another big win this season besides just pulling one over us and getting a win over a really bad Florida team and saying, okay, told you I'm rebuilding. Okay, Mark Stoops, beat South Carolina and Mississippi State, and then we'll talk. And then I'm going to be, you know what? Hey, Mark Stoops, he's got it going on this year. But until then, no. You beat a really bad Florida team. It's good for the program. I'm excited. I was very excited to beat Florida. But I'm pumping the brakes. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid and saying that you're going to go out there and win 10 games. Since I'm I mean, it's year six, Mark. I'm, I'm a little frustrated. This is to all the fans. Do not go out and buy those new T-shirts that Kentucky Branded put out talking about the UK-Florida game. The streak is over T-shirt. Do not wear that T-shirt around displaying for everybody to see that it took 31 years to beat Florida. Because that's what you're wearing. You're wearing a shirt that says, we did not have what it took to beat Florida for 31 years. Okay, like, I mean, why buy a shirt that says that? Why buy a shirt that says the streak is over? Do you know that a Florida seeing you wearing that shirt, a Florida fan seeing you wearing a shirt that said that, they would laugh in your face and say, nice shirt, ha ha, 31 years, huh? So, listen, yes, it's cool, we beat Florida, but let's, let's uh, not advertise that it took 31 years. It's kind of embarrassing, okay, that it took 31 years to beat them. But that's UK marketing, that's UK media. UK media sometimes does things that really frustrates me because a lot of the times, UK media, they blow it out their ass. And what I mean by that is when, for instance, at the end of the UK football season after the draft, they always go on Instagram and they go on Twitter and they say, so-and-so signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. And they have all this hoopla on there and they build this misconception to everyone that so-and-so from the UK football team got drafted or is playing on the roster for an NFL team. Let me explain to you what that means. If you get on Instagram or you get on Twitter after the NFL draft and you see that a Kentucky player has signed with a team. Now, let me just say this. If you are not getting drafted in the actual draft of the NFL, which is the seven rounds that they do, you're not good enough to play. Very rarely does it pop up that you are good enough to play. But unless you are drafted, you are not good enough to play. So when you see these players sign, and I say sign with a quotation with my fingers, when you see these players on Instagram signing with NFL teams, the only thing that they signed was a contract to practice with that team to try out for that team. They did not make the official roster. So when you see a post like J.D. Harmon signs with the Raiders, or you see a post that says Dorian Baker signs with the New England Patriots, just know that they are not on the official roster They basically just sign with the team so they can try out. That's all it is. And it frustrates me that UK media puts this out there like it's a, like it's a, an official signing moment, like it's official, they made the team. And I know that people think, that a lot of people think 
UK fans that don't watch the NFL, because there's a lot of UK fans that don't watch the NFL, because we don't have an NFL team here in Kentucky. But a lot of the fans that that see that, they just assume that, okay, J.D. Harmon's in the NFL. Okay, Blake Bone signed with the Dallas Cowboys. He must be playing for the Cowboys. No, 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 no. They are not playing for the team that they signed for. All they are simply doing is just trying out for the team and seeing if they can make the roster. So I really wish the UK media outlets would stop trying to put that perception out there that they made the team. I know they're trying to make the players look good, but it's just frustrating as a fan because we're not getting the whole story. You never hear about when these players get cut. You never see a post on Instagram about a player getting cut from a team when they didn't make it. So you just assume that UK's got 40 or 50 former players in the NFL when in reality that is not true. They got about 10 current players in the NFL. Maybe not even that many. I could have overshot that. Could be seven, could be six. And then when these players, they they get their little Instagram the photo that UK marketing created for them, they'll repost it. And they'll be like, oh, God's plan, God's plan. Thank God for this opportunity that I got to sign today with the New York Giants. And again, that is players blowing it out their ass. They did not make no team. If it was God's plan, you would have been drafted. You would have been drafted, okay? If it was God's plan, you would have been drafted in the seven rounds that they drafted in. You wouldn't have to go sign with a team, try out for a team, make the practice squad for a little bit, then transfer over to the team. If it was God's plan, then you would have been drafted. So enough with the with the you know God's plan, you know God one hundred, God first, prayers up in the air, whatever. You've never half the people that say, I'm praying for you, don't pray. I'd say 90% of the people that say, I'll pray for you, they don't pray. And it's so funny when you see the most wicked, most ungodly person in the world get on Facebook and say prayers, I'm praying. Or you see somebody who is just gives no respect to God any other time during their life, Except when something good happens, they'll say, God got me. It's pretty hilarious. It really is. Woo! Did not mean to sound like a hater, but I just wanted to throw that out there. How many other podcasts out there in Lexington would say what I just said? The answer is none. Welcome to Off the Cuff. All right, you are hearing Matt Miller playing in the background. And the reason I play this is because I'm switching gears here to talk about a very tragic death that happened in the entertainment industry. Matt Miller has passed away at the age of 26 years old after an apparent drug overdose. He, he hit his popularity and fame around the 2010-2011 mark. And that was really the height of his career. He really gravitated towards an audience in the rap game. It was very rare when you've seen a white person go into the rap industry and make a name for themselves. You haven't seen many people do that. 
Eminem being one of them. And Mac Miller was really the first person since Eminem to gravitate towards an audience in the rap game. He had several hits. Some of the songs included Knock Knock, Donald Trump, Frick Park Market, Party on Fifth Avenue, Smile Back, Loud, 100 Grandkids, and several others. His real name was Malcolm McCormick, and he had publicly struggled with substance abuse throughout his whole entire career. And he had a well-publicized DUI arrest last year, and he had been pretty open with his addiction to drugs. The addiction to drugs is something that is, is becoming rampant here in the United States. So many people are getting addicted to these opioid drugs, some by accident, some on purpose. You may ask, how do you do it by accident? Well, you might hurt your back by you know, helping someone move the furniture out of their house, and you need something for the pain, so someone offers you a pain pill. It helps with your back. You like the way you feel after you take the pill because you're not having the back pain anymore, so you take another one and then another one, and then all of a sudden your body becomes reliant on it, and you don't feel normal without the pill. And then you're just taking it, not really to feel better, but just to feel normal. That is an accidental addiction to opioids. Mac Miller, he probably, if I had to guess, at a young age, his age, he was experimenting, he was partying, he was having fun because people will do the drugs to get high, to feel better, to feel good. Even when they feel good sober, they'll still do the drugs. This is not just happening to people like Mac Miller. It happens to so many other young people. And it's just... A tale as old as time about these young, talented artists overdosing on drugs. Drugs, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how much money you got, how famous you are. They will kill you. They are not prejudiced at all of who you are. Just like cancer, it'll hit anybody. Drug addiction can hit anybody, and drug overdoses can kill anyone. Ari Gronit was very public about their breakup when uh, they decided to call it quits. She quoted, after a two-year relationship, she said, I am not a babysitter or a mother, and no woman should feel that they need to be. I have cared for him and tried to support his sobriety and prayed for his balance for years, and always will, of course. That's what Ariana Grande said about it. So she probably was fed up with his lifestyle. She probably dated him. And when you date somebody, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you see their every day. You see what they are like in their every day, and you're with them in their every day. And she was sick of playing the role as a babysitter and playing the role as a mother. She wanted to be a girlfriend. She didn't constantly want to be, are you doing drugs? Why are you doing this, this, that? And it just got to the point to where she was sick of it. Mac Miller, he expressed his uh, desire for wanting to get help. He did say in an interview with New York's Craig Jenkins... He said, quote, I really wouldn't want just happiness, and I don't want just sadness either. I don't want to be depressed. I want to be able to have good days and bad days, end quote. Now, I think that Mac Miller probably was having more bad than good. That's why he was medicating on drugs, and he was depressed, and he was very open about his depression. Someone said to me the other day, they said, I don't understand how someone rich and famous can be depressed. Well, depression is hard to understand if you've never had it. Now, I've never had it, thank God. 
but I have had people on this show who have publicly talked about it. And they said it is the darkest place that you can ever be. It's like a gigantic hole, black hole that you have fallen down in, and you cannot get out of it no matter how hard you try. And it's so deep that you're almost seeing utter darkness. But nonetheless, it's very and Some sad. describe it as and, utter uh, My thoughts and prayers is with his family. And uh, his music can still live on. When you're an artist like that and you leave something behind for people to listen to, your legacy can still live on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all I have for you today here on Off the Cuff. I want to thank you for listening to another episode. I'm Adam Banks, and I will see you in the next episode.